I don't think many organisations or many leaders and organisations could really tell the difference between a group or a team. Yeah, but the team itself is, is an entity. You've got, sure, you've got the people and they're their own, they're their own entities, but the team is an entity itself and rarely ever seen organisations really appreciate the team, that team entity, that, that additional thing. In the same way in the previous episode, you mentioned around that feeling of loss for a product person when the product no longer uh, exists. Yeah, they have a relationship with this entity, which you can't see. and you Oftentimes you can't hold, but it exists and you know it exists and I think the team entity is another one and I don't think that many organisations have ever taken that seriously. Welcome to the Product Agility Podcast, the missing link between Agile and Product. The purpose of this podcast is to share practical tips, strategies and stories from world-class thought leaders and practitioners. Why, I hear you ask? Well, I want to increase your knowledge and your motivation to experiment so that together we can create ever more successful products. My name is Ben Maynard and I'm your host. What has driven me for the last decade to bridge the gap between agility and product is a deep-rooted belief that people and products evolving together can achieve mutual excellence. And in the final episode of Jeff Watts, this is number three of three, we broached a topic which not enough people talk about. What on earth is team coaching and professional team coaching and how does this relate to a product agility environment? We explore the dynamics of working as a successful team and the role of an agile coach or scrum master. What exactly is it to increasing team performance? Now get your pen and paper handy. As always, there's going to be some gold in this episode. It's a short one, so get yourself a cup of tea, hot drink of your preference, I am not fussy. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. We're here again. Me and Jeff Watts on episode three of three. We have spoken about Agile certifications and the general Agile certification industry and how the Agile Mastery Institute is doing something about the the commoditization of the certificate market within the Agile world. We Mm -hmm. spoke about product mastery. And particularly one of the key characteristics that separates a good from a great product leader. And today, in our third and final conversation, we are going to be exploring team mastery, because this is a topic which I'm super, super interested in. Jeff, welcome back. Great to have you here. Thank you. And let's get straight into it. And we are not time rich. Team mastery pathway. What was your inspiration or drive for creating this? as a separate avenue, as a separate pathway. Yeah. Largely, I think teams have been rather neglected in agile training and agile support. What I have seen in the past is usually they all get sent on a CSM class and the vast Mm -hmm. majority of them aren't going to be Scrum Masters, but it's an opportunity to learn the basics of Scrum together, which is a good thing, but it's the basics because it's the lowest common denominator, something that all of the individuals in a scrum team have in common rather than actually the specifics of being part of an agile team so i think they've been neglected and in a way that is when i step back and think about it i think that's completely bizarre because Mm. when you look at numbers they make up the vast majority of an agile team you got one product owner one scrum master and let's say seven agile team members then why are you neglecting the vast majority of people and teams cross-functional teams are, to me, the value driver of the modern organisation. It's not about functional specialisation. It's about breaking down those traditional barriers, those traditional, the status quo, the hierarchies, the functional silos, and the 
the experts right, and into team players, into people who are going to put the team above their functional area of expertise. And all of the soft skills that go into that, being able to be a good team member, to be able to hold each other to account, to be able to give and receive good feedback, to be able to take initiative and take accountability and create psychological safety and all of those elements that are required above and beyond the functional requirements of delivery of actual functionality. And the closest that anyone's ever tried to come to that is a certified Scrum developer, which mm. when you think about it, it's technical, it's software. And not all Scrum teams are software and not all of them are going to be writing code code i would agree but they've been neglected i think grossly neglected i don't think many organizations or many leaders and organizations could really tell the difference between a group or a team a lot of the time and i think that in my opinion the team itself is an entity you've got sure you've got the people and they're their own they're their own entities but the team is an entity itself and i've never rarely ever seen organizations really appreciate the team that team entity that additional thing in the same way in the previous episode you mentioned around that feeling of loss for a product person when the product no longer exists they have a relationship with this entity which you can't see and you maybe oftentimes you can't hold but it exists and you know it exists and i think the team entity is another one and i don't think that many organizations take that have ever taken that seriously because no one ever say no one ever <laughs> rarely do organizations reward the entity they reward the individuals and they yeah. manage individuals, but you rarely see anyone managing, rewarding, shepherding or coaching the entity. And I think for me, this is what I think that things like your team mastery pathway and team coaching, I think that's what it brings. And I think that's what, and that's what you know, agile coaching and scrum mastery should have always been about. Yeah, people out there that have tried to do something within the parameters that are there. So I know, for example, there's a lot of people out there that have run, for example, three-day CSM classes, because that was the only real certification out there, that would actually go above and beyond and talk about team dynamics. Or they would create a team facilitation workshop, so they would effectively be teaching scrum masters or team coaches how to coach an agile team, so one step removed. Personally, I think that this is around, yeah, scrum masters can come along to this pathway and that would be useful to them it would be great to have in their toolbox but this is more directed at the actual teams themselves learning okay. together learning those skills of transparency conflict feedback quality those kinds of things together themselves so this is then team coaching in a way isn't it if you're getting yeah. the team members along and it's helping them figure out how to work as a team yeah then this is that this is getting and you're getting whole teams onto this pathway then and then taking them through a, a journey yeah largely this is very much in-house so an actual team taking a couple of days out or taking a day out here and committing to regular coaching sessions where they can reflect and just work out not just what they're building and not just like a retrospective but actually focused on different aspects of team mastery and thinking mm -hmm. about the concept of being a team and becoming better and better at it and being able to take team principles values milestones out into their own context so what would you say at a team level are some of the most common pitfalls people haven't been able to cross? So the, there are five main characteristics that I build this pathway around. And they're driven from, you know, I don't know how many teams that I've seen and been part of over the years. And while every team's unique, no getting away from that, but equally there are some pretty consistent commonalities in the really good teams that I've seen and the few great teams that I've seen. And so what I've distilled it down to is self-management 
Okay, so great teams are able to manage themselves. They don't look outside the team to be able to decide work, to decide working practices, to make decisions, to make sure that we're including people, that we can manage tension, we can diverge and come up with different ideas before actually converging. They don't look for somebody else to do that. They're capable of doing that. And that's a journey, it's a process, and all the other buzzwords that that come along with that. But they work towards and they become more and more self-managing over time. They also take quality seriously. How do we make sure that we are not just doing the right things, but doing it right and not just at an individual level but being able to hold each other to account on quality and push each other on quality and have team levels of quality and as a team be able to say at the end of this sprint or the end of this when a feature is deployed we are proud of this we are happy to put our individual i was always taught put your name and mobile number on anything you release because you should be proud of it and if there's a problem with it then people it's accountable people can contact you so there's quality there's unity the ability to actually feel part of something bigger that actually we care about each other. I'm not saying that we are going to be best friends and crying on each other's shoulders necessarily, but actually we do care about the success of our teammates and the team overall. We are united. That is a massively common characteristic. These teams are also audacious. They take risks. They go for it. They push boundaries. They don't just sit back and accept the status quo. They will try different things. And above all else... Delivery. Delivery is a hallmark of every great team that I've seen or been part of. They take pride in actually getting stuff done, meaningful stuff done, not just keeping busy, but actually delivering something of meaning and value. That's what we build the course around. And we look at different milestones that teams either have achieved with regards to those characteristics or could proactively work towards. And a lot of the challenges that come along with working towards those things, the risks that might be associated with taking a high quality approach, for example, or building up the unity amongst the team members, but also the potential benefits of doing so and rituals that they might be able to adopt to instill those habits over time. So that was teamwork, quality, unity, audacity and delivery. So I I call it self-management because then it spells out squad. (laughs) Nice. Genius. What came first? Um... (laughs) So it was was a case of looking at all of the different characteristics. So I genuinely pulled up some photographs of a lot of the teams that I've worked with over over the past and started brainstorming what was good about that team, look for what was in common. And then I've got this sort of tradition almost of, of forming an acronym. So my scrum masters are retrained, my product owners are driven and so on. If I was going to be really harsh on myself, I would say I force fit the word audacious. Audacity. Yeah. Because bravery is natural to me. But yeah, I thought squad is a really cool thing. Self management. That was that's that's yeah. from a scrum perspective. That's written in there. Quality is a, for me at least, and delivery. They were natural. Unity. Mm-hmm. I could have used lots of different synonyms, but it fit quite nicely. And then it was just the case. Oh, I've got S Q U and D. That's almost squad. <laughs> right. so I just changed bravery to audacity. I've got something really nice. Brilliant. I'm <laughs> taking any tips away. I right, should so try and generate some acronyms. I like that. I like that. When you mentioned unity, to me, sounded similar to identity in mm-hmm. some respects. Out of those different areas of squad, where is something like 
team purpose so the reason above delivery why you exist like where is purpose covered in that yeah so one of the first milestones within the unity characteristics so imagine these are the five almost epics of Mm -hmm. great teamwork and i've got 10 milestones that teams typically tend to hit or work towards within those categories along their journey to greatness and today we came up with our team identity is one of those milestones and that's part of why do we exist as a team? Who are we as a team? What do we stand for as a team? What will we not stand for as a team? What do we expect of one another as team members within this identity? So it absolutely is one of the big things. And certainly in the UK and the US, I know there's this idea of the apprentice where Alan Sugar gets a team and he, these people and you have to go and form a team, and come up with a team name and it's usually Team Phoenix. Just some pathetic... <laughs> Yeah, random team generator on Google or whatever they come up with a team. It's a lot more than just a team name. A team name is part of it because it's part of an identity. But quite often, these team members will have their they'll have a charter in the little milestone illustration that I've created. They've got their own T-shirts. That's quite a common thing: T-shirts, team mugs, team logos, team merch, team swag. But more important than that, they've got like team values, team rules, team working agreements. And that sense of this is who we are as a team. When we come up against something difficult, this is how we handle it. And then within that within that piece, is that how they would his questions along the lines of how do you want to be perceived by people external to the team? Is that kind of broader? And so then with the boundaries of all of this, it's how they work together as an entity and how they mm-hmm. exist as an entity. There's some stuff then around like stakeholders in the broader system as well then. Yeah. So I mean if you're going to be self-managing, you can't rely on everybody else to manage all of your relationships. So I'll work with agile leaders, and these could be product leaders, these could be organizational leaders, these could be servant leaders, but trying to create that sense of autonomy and confidence. I believe self-management is a combination of three factors. First of all, confidence. So they are confident to be able to manage themselves, but there's no point in having confidence if you're not competent. Right? And equally, there's no point in being competent if you don't have the confidence to use that competence. So skills, and I'm not just talking about technical skills here, I'm talking about team management skills, people skills, empathy, rapport, that kind of thing. So confidence, competence, and then conditions. So how can we create the conditions where this team is more capable and confident to manage themselves? And part of that will be building up the relationships with people outside of the team. And Scrum typically stopped about the point where the Scrum Master protects the team from external stakeholders. And people often think about the Scrum Master as someone who is shielding the team from outside influences. But the best Scrum Masters actually say, no, 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 let's break those barriers down, but let's teach everybody how to interact with one another healthily helpfully constructively and those self-managing teams as they get more self-managing will be able to build up those relationships with people outside of the team as well as inside the team and do you cover performance i what does performance mean to the team and then what can what does performance then mean to the broader organization as well yeah so there's delivery right so delivery is we deliver stuff and not just we keep ourselves busy it's meaningful it's valuable you could look at it almost as a sort of continuum and good teams will take the value that is defined and work out ways of delivering that value and that that's a good thing all right but the more and more they get involved with things the more and more aware they become of the context and the strategy and working directly with people the more educated decisions they can make about actually creating and identifying value. But that's at the team level. So look, as a team, the most important thing is that we deliver value. Then the question is, how can I, as an individual, 
contribute towards that team value while also making sure that I don't sacrifice too much of my own ambitions, my own goals, my own motivators. Because being part of a team will require me as an individual to sacrifice a little bit of my own selfishness. And I don't think we should ignore that fact. A lot of people do. But there's, hopefully, I should, as an individual, get a lot more benefit for me personally by being part of this team, whether it be learning, whether it be support, whether it be social and community, whether it be being able to achieve more than the sum of the parts, whatever it is, I should get more from being part of this team than I personally have to sacrifice by being part of this team. Mm. And having that conversation amongst team members, what do we expect of one another when it comes to performance? How are we going to mitigate potential conflicts of interest? How are we going to try and avoid a situation where I'm naturally incentivized to put myself above the team? We want to try and reduce those as, as much as possible. But yeah, having those conversations, I think, is crucial. So, Jeff, I think we're going to have to pull this one to a close. So, <laughs> I, I feel like we're just getting started on it. So maybe I'll ask you nicely if we can get you back and a little while to go deeper and it'd be great to have an update yeah. at some point in the future as to how things are going because you only launched this reasonably recently in the grand scale of things didn't you yeah i mean i've been doing it myself informally for a while but yeah. i only actually launched it formally yeah less than a year ago and the best place for people to go is the agilemasteryinstitute.com yeah and of course you're on social media here and there so i'll pop in the all the show notes various links and twitter handles whatever it may be so that people can find you and contact you or buy your books i'll put some links in for your books as well because they are well worth reading you've got this beautiful setup where you are very much in focus and your background is slightly blurred out but i can tell from the color scheme i can see one of them so even without being able to see it in high definition i can tell that you've got one of them on the shelf so yeah (laughs) yeah they're up there they're up there so Jeff thank you very much for your time and thank you everyone for listening I'm going to go and look for my bookshelves Jeff thank you very much mate have a brilliant afternoon with your podcast nice one thank you very much thank you Jeff for coming on for those three episodes Uh, they were all brilliant so thank you very much and thank you everyone for listening it's always a delight to get to talk to you at the end of an episode and even though I know that you know sometimes things get in the way and maybe we don't always get here but I'm very happy that you do Next up on the Product Agility Podcast, we are going to be spending some time looking at product design and UX design with a dear friend of mine called Raymond. Raymond is a wonderful human being who I met at the Product Elevation Conference in Dublin a year or so ago. And so it's a great pleasure that I welcome him on the podcast for a couple of episodes. So if you want to learn more about UX and product design, these episodes are just the tonic for you. So thank you once again for listening. My name is Ben Maynard and this is the Product Agility Podcast.